0: Hey, everyone, this is Jesse Slade, and you are listening to to My Future Vinyl Collectors. Stop trying to be somebody else. Don't try to be someone else. Be yourself and know that that's good enough. Don't try to be someone else. Don't try to be like someone else. Don't try to act like someone else. Be yourself. Be secure
1: with yourself.
0: Hey everyone, and welcome to this episode of the To My Future Vinyl Collectors Podcast. And I have my good friend and friend of the podcast here with me, um, and we're going to talk about an awesome artist that both of i, I both of us I think really, really admire. Um, it's Mr. Matt Blue. Matt, what is your official title?
1: I'm an associate teaching professor over at the School of Visual Studies at so, Mizzou. So you. You you draw things, you teach people to draw things? I teach people to draw. I teach anyone to draw.
0: I've anyone. Done, why anyone. haven't you taught me how to draw?
1: You have other talents. You have other talents that we're trying to nurture, mature, I, uh, bloom. I'm not I'm
0: I'm not as well versed as our artists that we're going to talk about today. And I don't know. You want to give a little a bit of an introduction about who we're gonna talk about today, Matt?
1: Yeah, we're gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna drop something on people right now. Right now. This is this is the thing. We're gonna talk about today the man who must take the mantle, I think, from Prince. That, Wait, is, a, that is a in some
0: sense
1: a. that's a I don't think that's too much of a hot take. It's, it's not a hot take too much, but it is But we also both are fans. But I think just in general, the potential is there for him to be the prince, the the like the next the next prince, the the next iteration, the next reincarnation. I think that he definitely, um,
0: you know, personifies this. I don't know. I I love the way that he carries himself and his sexuality. It's, it reminds me a lot of like Prince and Bowie
1: and. Right, where it's like, uh, you know, it's not binary. Time. It's not one thing. It's right. not gay or straight. It's not, like, the trappings of a certain kind of maleness. It's not uh, effeminacy. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Right, But there is, there's a sense in which Mr. Frank Ocean... Uh, has has a handle on This like ability to put himself out there Right um, In a way that is both Ambiguous and And sexy
0: Oh yeah I, I think that You know as I was saying earlier I think he blurs that line Really well In ways that like you said like Prince you know did and David Bowie did um, You know and I think that you know one thing that You know, all of that, like, all of these artists, all of those artists can be connected by is, um, I feel like a lot of their songs have to do with, deal with this, like, searching and this, like, otherworldly type thing almost, you know? I feel like the
1: parallel's there. Yeah, I mean, there's the, that sense of being alien or being, being the explorer, right? Yeah, I mean, I think Frank Ocean's an alien. I love that (sighs) meme I saw a few weeks ago where someone took a screenshot where, uh, they were filling out a form, and it had uh, it came to the gender question, and it was you know a check your <laughs> box for male, check your box for female, or fill in for other. And somebody wrote in on the other line, Frank Ocean. That's incredible. I mean, if I were to explain myself one way, I think that's what I would do. So I'm not uh, saying that Frank Ocean is there yet. No, I'm. I, I am think am that saying, he could be. I'm saying that he could be that he could he could he could get to that point where. He's really making an influence beyond, let's say, psychedelic R&B thing. Yeah, like funk. Out out in the range. Out in the range, man. He's an alien. So, yeah. So, I mean, speaking of psychedelic searching and the experience of the night, I really love pyramids.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that that's another, um, you know, one of those songs that is very atmospheric and feel and it kind of leads you down, you know, a path. And, you know, I'm sitting here looking at this Pink Floyd poster of pyramids and Mm -hmm. there's there's something otherworldly about um, pyramids, you know, and I think, you know, just uh, the crypticness of the pyramid is very fitting for Frank Ocean, I feel like.
1: Well it's interesting too in the imagery of that that track you know on the one hand it's sort of evocative of maybe like a dream of Egypt or a dream of that you know he mentions like you know like this African queen and of course in the recording studio here at uh, Casa Slade we've got this amazing Afro Venus up yeah, on the wall above us a great birthday present from Matt um you know and there's a sense in which he it sort of builds this narrative in that 10-minute track that joins up a kind of vision of an ideal African goddess, princess, and the, the, the image that he sees before him in this midnight or 2 a.m. club, casino atmosphere, wherever it's taking place. I mean,
0: it could be taking place in ancient Africa. It, uh, it could be.
1: You know, like... The six inch heels, a... though. I mean, he does mention the six inch heels.
0: I mean, I'm sure that... They're, I mean, they were doing stuff like that.
1: Maybe they had some six inch heels. I in mean, I'm sure
0: Cleopatra wasn't just walking around in flats all day. I mean... I
1: don't know. You're the historian. I don't know. <laughs> I'm, I don't know about... The, I mean, I don't know about ancient footwear, Jesse. But,
0: I mean, Nikes is all I know. <laughs> <laughs> which brings me to another frank ocean song called Nikes. do you think there's some sort of parallel there between no, but... <laughs> between Nikes and pyramids?
1: <laughs> I mean nikes are Nikes are worthy right but pyramids are at a different level i mean pyramids that's that's divine in human form creating something epic right right which and... is why it's evocative. Yeah, Although, I, I mean, Nike comes from the Greek word for, you know, victory, dude. So, maybe that's what Frank Ocean is doing.
0: Right, and he has a song on Blonde called Nike.
1: Yeah. So, it's just like, I wonder if there's a parallel there. There must be a parallel there. There has to be. There Frank, has to be. Frank
0: Ocean's dicking our minds right now. Totally. You know, I, I feel like the song Pyramids, not to linger on it too long, but I was... We were listening to it before this and I feel like if he were to just release pyramids almost as like a one track thing, it could almost be an entire album in one song. It, it has such a complete flow that most like contemporary artists struggle to even get into a complete album. He fits into nine minutes in a song.
1: But is hasn't Frank Ocean always been, you know, very much interested in creating connections and synergies between tracks? Right. It always seems like they flow pretty well. They always So then it do makes flow. sense that within that track, you would go on a journey. That's the point of it, you know? Exactly. Um, which is, you know, I think that's one of the things that you, why you might reference uh, an artist like Pink Floyd or reference an artist like Prince or even um, Alice Coltrane. Like, the idea of crafting a an arc in one song it seems like to be that would be something that is unique to really great artists. I think that there's like two sides to it. There's the great artists that do like the two minute and forty second song and it's just fucking perfect. Yeah. And then there's the artists that can really like open up and expand. Over. And of course, yeah. you've been getting into so many of these great artists recently, but yeah, I mean, I've
0: really been getting into you know a lot more of the uh, the free jazz and Kamasi Washington, Thundercat, and things like that and uh yeah i think that there's there's something to be said about long form um types of music and i think the frank ocean does a really good job of implementing you know these instrumentations into these sometimes it's almost just like it's spoken word slam poetry type stuff you know we were listening to um solo um, before we sat down um, to record, we each just you know picked out a few songs by Frank Ocean to listen to, and we were listening to Solo, and it's he's just so appealing, you know he he just grabs your attention. And he's like a, a like I said, he's like a doing spoken word, yeah, basically yeah. on Solo, and he he he's grabbing your attention with that. And he, it just has like the organ in the background, right, and all of that great things and. You know, I don't know. He he can draw your attention in with that, but he is so good at also using such unique instrumentals and sounds.
1: And I think it's interesting too that he never holds himself to one kind of singing, one kind of approach to singing. You know, he's able to do that really smooth, you know, long notes, you know, flow around R and B thing. But he can also rap. Yeah, yeah. And um, you know he's able to so do, dynamic. He he can do all that stuff, and he's and he's featured on so many different types of albums, right? You know, from Magna Carta, Holy Grail, and to like doing stuff with John Mayer, and you know, like he can do all that. Yeah.
0: Stuff. Did you ever see that? I think we were talking about this maybe last time you were over here at the house, but um, the I think it was like. Late Show with David Letterman, maybe, or SNL. It was was SNL, I think, Mm -hmm. where Frank Ocean's playing or doing a song and, like, John Mayer's just back there playing guitar and they don't even mention it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's so
1: funny. It's like they're buddies.
0: Oh, yeah, they're really good friends. (laughs) But, um, yeah, it's just his his way of collaborating and not being limited in any sort of way is just remarkable.
1: How would you rank... Frank Ocean amongst some of our contemporary... You know, the people who are at the heights right now from somebody who... You almost have to think of Kanye as like an elder statesman. Somebody who's like...
0: I think Kanye's kind of
1: started the, the kind of
0: cultural switch, I guess, as far as like these rappers and stuff go.
1: And then you have, you know, somebody like Kendrick who's... I mean, I think Kendrick is at a level beyond Kanye, yeah, oh yeah. Very significantly. I think I think,
0: con- I think that Kendrick is at, at a completely different level of most rappers, given their context and history.
1: But then you have all, you have these, you know, like Migos and people like that. Right. Trap rap and all that. It's just fun. Where they're just having fun. They're not really. It's not really much substance. Right. Um, whereas I think that, I think Kendrick really is able to bridge really well. And I think. I actually think that that's one of the things about Frank Ocean is that some of the tracks are maybe more standard hip-hop type mentality. But, mm-hmm. but I mean, even in, the, even in the context of a track like Pyramid, let me beat it into the ground. Like, there is mention of, like, sex, and there's mention of babes, and there's mention of whatever. But at yeah. the same time... Uh, it is done in a way that that makes it expand out, and the context is not just like "I'm I'm gonna bang some hoes." It's more like right. it's like a it's like a broader context. Right? He makes,
0: I mean, he makes all that sort of thing like normal and not limited and not wrong. You know what I mean? Like he doesn't talk about sex in a shameful
1: way at all. It's not about it being. An illicit it's not
0: about thing. yeah. It's not about it, yeah. It being an
1: illicit like a crazy. I mean, thing. he he talks about it like Luther Vandross <laughs> would talk about yeah, it back in the eighties. Exactly,
0: and I think the thing with Frank Ocean is I don't think that he's always necessarily talking about women. Right. Like he's, if you who knows what he's talking. If about. you listen to like uh, Thinking About You, like probably one of his biggest hits from mm-hmm. Channel Orange, mm-hmm. it's like. I I don't know, I'm pretty convinced that he's not singing about a woman in that song. Mm. Like and yeah, I think that just adds to his, you know, furtherment of this like I feel like our culture we're in this progressive movement almost as a culture of just, you know, understanding that just because somebody's different than how we were raised, it doesn't mean that they're bad. Right. You asked me before we sat down to record this and um you know you asked if I liked Channel Orange or Blonde better. Uh, what would your answer be into that question? I
1: I mean, I'm, I think I'm still in a moment where I'm... I think I've listened to Blonde more, but I am getting more into Channel Orange.
0: Like the... I mean, I feel like Channel Orange, like you can just dive a little bit deeper into it at times. Mm-hmm. As where sometimes I feel like Blonde... Although very good, and I think the track listing is very solid and deep, I just feel like it doesn't take you to that next level.
1: But isn't Channel Orange like the result of like a multi-year a conglomeration? Whereas, um, whereas, or or was Blonde the one that like took a, long, a number of years? Well, to come
0: out? so Channel Orange came out, and then it took like something like almost like seven years or something between albums, and then Yeah,
1: it was a long time. It was like it was like the result of I guess that's what it is, is that, like, one feels more immediate and precise, and the other one feels more like an amalgamation. Right. I think Blonde is the one that, that's more of the amalgamation that took time after, because, I don't know whether it was... Stuff with...
0: So, Channel Orange came out in 2012, and then Blonde came out in 2016.
1: So that's, yeah, so there was a lot of time of trying to put it together.
0: So, and and there was a lot of, like, joking on the internet and stuff, I don't know if you remember, like, about Frank Ocean actually dropping a record, and there were multiple times he was said to be releasing this record, and then nothing happened, and people were basically like, Boy Who Cried Wolf, and it was kind of an online joke for a while, and then he had, like, a listening party, and Kanye and a few other people were like, no, seriously, Frank Ocean made another album, and it's incredible. And then I feel like after he dropped it, everyone listened to it and was kind of like, okay, we're fine with the hiatus, I guess we're not going to make fun of it so much anymore. Like, you know what I mean? I just thought that was really funny that he just kind of shut everyone up because it was, it was really good and it, it pays to take off. Everyone says you have your entire career to write your first album and then, or your entire life to write your first album. And then you have, you know, Well, it's so
1: interesting too how so many of these, uh, artists back in the 60s and 70s had to drop an album every year but now there's other now we it's more possible to drop an album every year i mean seriously you could just sit down yeah i mean people do it like weezer does that but people are able to just take their time if they need to i mean how many artists have done that recently from like pop people like kesha to you know talking about this thing to um you know bands like spoon or like a lot of times people spend a while right between albums to give it some time to work
0: and i I think that that's okay and i think artists shouldn't be forced to put out anything
1: new nico case album coming out in the summer
0: oh wow that's exciting that's i never got i never
1: dove deep
0: into nico case but we might have to have a future vinyl collector's Podcast about the you have to Nico you have to teach out. me teach me the Nico ways.
1: I'll teach you the ways um, of the Nico.
0: Cause yeah, I'm pretty ignorant whenever it comes to
1: Nico. Now, one last thing about Frank Ocean here. Where would you put uh his body of work next to some of the artists that you have been listening to recently? I mean, I made the statement of connecting him to like like Kamasi and yeah you know like how do you feel about how that stuff
0: I mean I I think that it all kind of flows together I would love to see Kamasi and Thundercat and Frank Ocean and Robert Glasper all get together to collaborate like or like in Catranata like it would just be incredible and I feel like we're at a point in time where you know these you know African American artists are all all joining together for like a great cause, and that's not something that I feel like any of them are taking. On. I I wouldn't be surprised if we got something
1: like an amazing super group kind yeah, of yeah.
0: Because Kamasi's like collaborating with everybody right now. He's doing you know he did a lot on "To Pimp a Butterfly," so did Thundercat. They did the epic together. where Thundercat
1: played all of the. All of the bass on it. Um. When I first started listening to rap and hip-hop when I moved to Chicago in, in 99, um, I was mystified by features. I yeah. uh, was like, w- just do your own thing. Why do you need to be on there, on this guy's album? Then well, why do you need be on this track? And yeah. and I didn't understand the culture of it. And yeah. one of the things that I find really amazing about it is that not only is it a way to advocate for other artists and 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 give people a leg up, which is really interesting, mm-hmm. but it also builds this like vernacular and context so that people can slide around between different types of thinking, different types of uh, creating, right? And you get these really interesting. Uh, associations that maybe you wouldn't... You know, like, I got into Busta Rhymes way before I got into, you know, like, A Tribe Called Quest and stuff like that. And, you know, like, when you hear somebody pop up on an album, you're like, whoa. Or, you know, like, Killer Mike and and Outkast. Outkast, yeah. You know, like, those things, I think, they build this, like, community of associations that I think is not really... A part of, let's say, white rock and roll very much. I mean, obviously we have bands like The Band and we have like, you know, Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young and stuff like that. Yeah. But like, where is it, where is the situation where like one artist coordinates like 50 other artists? That does not happen outside of rap and hip hop.
0: Yeah, and I think that, I don't know, that's something that I find really interesting about. And we're going to have to do a Kamasi one because I have a lot to say, but one thing that I will say that I really enjoy about what's happening right now in contemporary hip-hop and, you know, jazz is we're having a lot of those collaborations. If you look back at, you know, jazz and, you know, the late 60s, you know, moving into like, or, you know, like mid to late 60s, moving into like the early 70s, we had, you know, just a ton of collaboration you know Thelonious Monk was playing on Miles Davis stuff Miles Davis was playing on Coltrane stuff Coltrane was playing on this stuff like you know what I mean Donald Byrd was thrown in there playing with like tons of people you know you had Herbie Hancock playing on Miles Davis records like all of this crazy stuff Pharaoh Sanders yeah we're all around Yeah, everyone was playing with everyone and that's what was cool about it and I feel like that hasn't been the case for a really long time and i feel like we're getting at this to this point now in music history where it's kind of, you know, people are realizing that there's power in numbers. And yeah. and they're joining back up again and it's incredible. Damn, dude. Just the way that they're doing it. But yeah, i don't know. i think Frank Ocean's the the shit and i think that what he's doing to push lines and stand for what he is and who he is and not change who he is, is something that's great about him and to be admired about Frank Ocean. Working on the pyramid tonight. (laughs) And yeah. So anyway, (laughs) yeah. Thanks everyone for, you know, tuning in and, you know, follow us on Twitter. Matt, what's your Twitter?
1: At E-I-K-O-N-K-T-I-Z-O. Okay.
0: And I'm at Jesse Slade straight up on there, and also you can follow me on Instagram at Jesse Slade ten. I post a lot of tape stuff and weird Tapes. weird gifs and what have you. But anyway, yeah, thanks a lot for tuning in, everyone. Uh, I don't know when we're gonna do another one, but hopefully soon we'll it'll pay attention. Soon. Yeah, it'll be soon. Yeah, who do you want to do next? What do you want to do?
1: Man, I want to do some Thundercat, dude
0: You want to do Thundercat? Like, Alright, we try can Try singing some Kenny Loggins over Thundercat, dude <laughs> Some Kenny Loggins and Michael McDonald <laughs> um, Anyway, well, there you go There's a teaser for a future episode yeah, Thanks for dude. tuning in, everyone Talk to you guys later Peace
1: Ah, uh, ah, uh, ah, uh, ah uh, uh, Said that you died